The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There's one power strong enough to break the cycle of addiction and incarceration. One name that restores and redeems hearts. One true Savior. This is Prison Transformation Radio. Stories of chains broken and hearts restored. Here are your hosts, Jim Moore and Pastor Dwight Anderson. Hello, church. Welcome to Prison Transformation Radio. My name is Jim Moore. I am with the R3 Collaborative and one of the co-hosts of Prison Transformation Radio and my dear friend, Pastor Dwight Anderson. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing great. I'm the director of Prison Mission Association, and uh, I'm pretty excited. We had a great week. Last week, I was down at the... Wheaton College, we had the Correctional Ministries Summit, and I was able to to share at the Billy Graham Center. So that's the first time I've ever spoken there, and it was just awesome. It was awesome. And this month in July, we got a lot of things going. I'll be at Oak Park Heights July 29th. I'll be at Lionel Lakes on July 31. So appreciate your prayers and your outreach into those prisons. You got it. Yeah, and as far as R3 goes, we usually mention our monthly R3 networking meetings, and you're going to love this one. On, on July, let's see, July 19th, mm-hmm. we're at Salvation Army Headquarters in Roseville. Chaplain John Holtine and Chuck Berry. Chuck Not Berry. the original Chuck Berry, but Charles Berry, yep. who heads up correctional services. They're going to be taking us behind the scenes with the jail ministry right. that Salvation Army does, informing people. People, you're welcome to come. And you can go to the R3 Collaborative website to get more information yep. on that. I see and Charles in the prison all the time. Yeah. Last week I was in Fairbolt with see, him there before that Rochester. Yeah, there's he just, was in with Sika. He yeah. goes into every prison I go into. Uh, there's just so many folks on yep. the front line battling yes. in prison. We're going to talk more about battling here in just a minute. So so welcome. It's going to be a, it's going to be a special show hmm. and special in the sense of we're going to cut a little bit deeper than we traditionally do when we're talking about ministries. Mm-hmm. We, there's something that just, it shocked me when I first heard it, but I remember when I was in treatment, the, the counselor said, you know, drugs and alcohol are not the problem, they're the solution. Said, <laughs> what? <laughs> and no, th- then they dug into it a little bit more, and they're the solution for pain, for anguish, for trauma, right. for a lot of people, self-medicating. Right. And, and what they also went on, and I learned, is that, also, they're the symptoms of a much deeper mm-hmm. problem. So mm-hmm. we try to educate people on co-occurring disorders. Right. Again, trauma, right. uh, depression, bipolar. But we're going to take it two or three steps deeper today, and we're going to talk about the spiritual realm yes, and spiritual warfare and what that has to do with the battle of addiction. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're going to love this, Pastor. I, I actually, instead of paraphrasing, I, I wrote down scripture today it. to launch like into it. that, and then we'll introduce our guests. So folks, um, you know, as you're driving your car, listening on a podcast, and by the way, if you miss any of the show on a Saturday afternoon, you can go to am980themission.com and access any or all of what's approaching 50 mm-hmm. podcasts now. Mm-hmm. But here's the scripture, Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Mm -hmm. And I mean, being in years of addiction myself, now in 10 years of recovery, that haunts me, Pastor Dwight. I I remember when I was in my first treatment, it was a secular treatment, and, and I said, 
it's like Armageddon's going on in my head. I feel like there's a war going on in my head. Then I found Joyce Meyer's book, Battlefield of the Mind. It is, right. I started it is a bringing battle. Jesus into treatment That's with right. me. So, so right. here's what we're excited about today. Our guest is the director of the Teen Challenge Leadership Institute. His name is Rafe Ronning. He's clinically trained, but I like to say, Rafe, a bit of a scholar uh, of, of on, on the deeper dimensions mm-hmm. of, of battling addiction and, and battling mental health issues. So Rafe's been kind enough to come on. We're not going to talk a lot about Teen Challenge of the Leadership Institute. We want to talk about these underlying forces. So Rafe, dear friend for years, a colleague in many years in Teen Challenge, God bless you, my friend. Well, thank you, Jim, for inviting me on the show. I'm excited to come here and talk about this subject. Yeah, I've been kind of promoting it the last week to people. And oh, when's he on? When's he on? Yeah. So, now, yeah. so now you're on. So we always like to start off with, um, before we get into some of these deeper forces and how do you battle them, we'd like to find out a little bit about you. Sure. And so uh, if you can kind of give us some insight, maybe your faith journey. Sure. How did you get into being an addiction counselor and a warrior? Uh, for Christ? Well, I'll try to make a very long story, obviously, about my life and many experiences to kind of answer that. But I, I didn't really have a, a, a Christian background. I went to a Methodist church because I was forced to and yeah. didn't like it and was bored. And when I could leave, I left. And Common tale, but true. Common tale, right? Probably in Western culture, that <clears throat> typical church experience. But I always felt, I just knew inside there was there was a deeper reality Mm. to things you know I didn't understand it but I just knew so I was a you know chronic alcoholic I started drinking in my late teens went away to college and um, I just started getting arrested I got kicked out of college I came home I started getting DWIs oh. my life started falling apart and, another mm-hmm. sadly common but tale but true Sad. yep yeah, yeah. Got my third DWI in 1998, and I was court-ordered to a treatment program, and I went in, and I didn't really want to quit drinking, and uh, typical story, I was in and out of sobriety, I went in, got involved in AA, tried to stay sober for a season, sometimes I'd go months, uh, but I'd always go back, and I got to the point where I thought I was, you know, I just didn't think I I could stop drinking, it just seemed such a powerful Mm. force. Mm. Went to treatment my last time in 2003. I went to a faith-based Christian program. It was an outpatient program. Um, my wife had caught me drinking and using drugs one night. We had two small children in the middle of the night. Oh, she mm-hmm. says, you got a week to go to treatment or I'm going to leave you. Or else. God bless a strong woman. <laughs> yeah. You know, I knew that she was serious this time. There was a, just a look in her eye that was different from the other thousand times. I tried to talk mm. her and everything's fine. And um, I went to... A, this program and I didn't really have a Christian background as I said I just you know I had read the Bible and kind of studied things and I went in and this woman asked who wants to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and I said this was my counselor on break and I said well what is that and she simply said it's more of God and I said okay let's do it she prayed for me and um, I received this thing and I started praying in this supernatural language which the Bible calls tongues and I never drank again, and it just, the desire to drink was literally gone. Um, I never really had a serious temptation, and, and I just, my life was so different. I went from seeing the world in, like, black and white to just vivid technicolor, spiritual things, I mean, and 
very soon after that, I, I, I felt just a call, just a prompting to go back to school to be a counselor. So I went back to oh school. Oh, my gosh. That, be, the Holy Spirit got hold hmm. of you. Yep. And I really didn't have any sense of direction in my life. It was the first thing I felt like, okay, I could do in my counselor um, encouraged me. She thought I'd be good. She thought, you know, I had some good way to communicate and wisdom. And she really kind of encouraged me. I didn't even think I could be a good counselor. And I was really scared of going to school because I wasn't a good student. I was a great learner, but academically, I really struggled. And um, so I went back to school and I interned at that program. And then they offered me a job and I, I became a an LADC at the program that I was Licensed alcohol and drug counselor. Yep. So that's my how I got into the field. So I worked yeah. there for, for five years and I, I guess probably leading into our, our topic today, but I started to, <clears throat> I learned a lot of things from books and counseling and, and I thought I was an effective counselor, but there was always people that no matter what you did, they just mm. wouldn't break free from addiction. And I, I would say today, looking back on my spirit level, I knew that there's, there's gotta be something else going on in this world of addiction because how I would say I was throwing in my best stuff and it wasn't working. And I, I just see people kind of cycle through addiction, go through treatment, relapse. And um, so that... Which is, uh, again, true for most people, mm -hmm. relapse, mm -hmm. the vast majority yes. after treatment. Then they get yep. up and they get up stronger. Yep. But, but that's pretty common, isn't it, Ray, for people in addiction to go through multiple treatments, yeah. multiple... Re like something's got a hold of them. Yep. It's, it's almost like something has a hold of them and... Um, I'm a true believer. Sobriety is easy when you don't have a desire to use. If you have a desire to use, even when you're sober, it just gnaws at you. It just yeah. drives mm -hmm. you and, and people right. usually go back. Haunts you. Right. And, yeah. right. you know, you're, I believe there's a, an inner temptation. We'll, we'll probably get to this obviously of, of what's causing that inner temptation, but that temptation it's too strong to withstand over a long period of time. So people eventually just Oh, so you it. may mm -hmm. be white knuckling or be a dry mm -hmm. drunk, but how long can you hold your breath? Correct. Right? Right. Yep. Oh, wow. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Prison Transformation Radio, Changing Hearts with Christ. And we're interviewing um, Rafe Ronning, and uh, we're talking about spiritual warfare. So, Rafe, if you want to talk a little bit more about how you got involved then on that side of it sure. and how that's helped people in uh, addictions. Well, I'll give you a, the doorway that I walked through. So um, I was a counselor. I went to a Bible college, and this uh, textbook I loved, his name was C. Peter Wagner, was the counselor, and he had this book about the 12 power principles that every church needs, and it just blew me away. Wow. Um, so I went onto his website, and he was having a – conference in phoenix arizona and it was about 300 dollars. and me and my wife were going to take a, a extended weekend vacation and just get out of minnesota and i said why don't we go out here and and she says what is it and i forgot his name i said just google conference phoenix and about <laughs> 10 of them came up yeah <laughs> and i could not remember his name and and she says is this the one and i looked at it and this one was free it was called isaiah 61 ministries and it says dealing with addictions childhood issues problems that go will go away learn about the reality of the spirit world or something like that that's how it's advertised so and that was the doorway you walked through yeah? that was the doorway my wow. wife called this woman the director of this ministry and she was a you know probably mid-50s woman uh, it was a deliverance ministry, and she called her. And my 
wife called her just to get some more information. My wife just kind of in her spirit said, there's something about this, Rafe. I, I think this is a God thing. Hmm. Why don't you call her and find out for yourself? I called her on the phone and I was just giving her some background information. And she says, she interrupts me while we're talking. She says, this is very strange, but I think I'm supposed to minister to you. And I know that this is of God because I'm booked out for months. She hmm. would do one-on-one counseling, uh, phone counseling. And she goes, I think I'm supposed to minister to you. And I go, okay. And she goes, get an hour next week where I'm going to pray for you. She goes, send me a little background information through an email and we'll talk. Um, now I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. So a week later, I just sent her some background information. She's going to pray for me over the phone. No, I just think she's going to pray for me over the phone. So I'll give you the gory details and I'll just, I'll be very honest. And this, you know, it is what it is, but I was sober from alcohol. This was 2009 that I went out there. But I was completely bound to pornography, to masturbation, or what we'd call sex addiction. I mean, I could not get out of this. I had been in support groups. I had accountability oh. partners. I had renounced things. I had done everything mm. they told me. And I just, this th- sexual addiction was probably stronger than my addiction to alcohol. So she starts praying for me over the phone about kind of childhood issues, issues with my dad, um, you know, rejection things. And, and she says, how you doing? And I said, I'm fine. And. Um, I said, well, not to say I don't need prayer, but I said, I think I've kind of dealt with some of this stuff and it could be there, but I, I mean, I feel okay. And I teach some of this stuff, you know, and she goes, okay, well, is there anything I could pray for? Now, this woman is somewhat of a stranger to me. I've only had a conversation on the phone and I said, all right, what do I have to lose? I'm so bound in this sexual sin. I tell her, I said, you know what? I mm-hmm. cannot get out of this sexual sin and, and she, i'm guessing mm-hmm. rafe there's a number of us including myself and listeners yep. that may not be as bold as you are to talk about it but mm-hmm. something's got a hold of us too yes. well i i had no idea what you know i just thought she's an anointed woman she's got more experience than me she wants to help me i'll i'll let her help me now i don't know what's going to happen and the next thing literally changed my life so she said, well, that's a common problem. Let's pray about that. So mm-hmm. here we go. Hold on. Buckle your seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she starts praying for me, and she says, spirit of lust, come up right now. And if I remember right, and she says, you will face the judgment seat of Christ. Come up. And she's speaking to she's that speaking spirit to this, or that demon spirit. or whatever it is. Right. And all I can say is my voice changed. And she asked, she spoke to the spirit and she says, how did you get in there? And my voice was very low. It said, Anna, and I don't even know an Anna. And she goes, what did Anna do? And it said, prostitution. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. Like, this I'm is really weird. Out. I got goosebumps. That is man. weird. Um, she said, spirit of lust. You and everyone, your authority, you're going to come out now. And I felt like I was going to throw up. And I I had to set the phone down because I thought I was going to throw up. And I got on my knees and I just, I screamed in a guttural scream like, ah, for like a minute. And I literally thought my insides were coming out. Kind of a cathartic release kind of thing? Well, something was leaving me, but, you know, it was invisible, so it was spiritual and it was like I felt like I was being like a dish rag being wrung out, literally my body. And I was just laying on my face and I had to set the phone down. And 
I can hear Eleanor saying, Rafe, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm sitting there going, what the heck just happened to me? Um, I pick up the phone and she says, are you okay? And I said, I, I, I think so. And All she of go, this was going on over the wow. phone? Over the phone. Wow. Oh, my Lord. So she goes, it's a little strange the first time, huh? And I said, yes. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the fruit of it is I was done watching pornography. I didn't masturbate. It was, I mean, I had been involved in that sexual sin since probably 12 years old. So it was like lifted or released? It was gone. Released, I just, I, I had. Desire removed? It was removed completely. Wow. I mean, I, I literally felt there was a part of me that had been with me for so long that was gone. Wow. Like a part of my insides, my mind was clear. I could not go through a day without having fantasies mm. of, you know, sexual images mm-hmm. of either my own encounters or pornography. And I mean, it was a miracle. That's why it, it was. And, and I'm just sitting there trying to figure this out. And I was going, how come nobody told me about this? Yeah. Like how does this woman know about this? And I mean, I've been in the church and, you know, I was in the ministry and I was a counselor and this woman, it was such a common casual thing. So we went out to the, my second part of the testimony, we went out to Phoenix to the conference. It was a two day conference and they did some teaching and prayer ministry. So they started teaching about generational addiction. And I'm thinking, well, I've been sober for six years. I mean, I'm in the clear. And they were talking Mm -hmm. about how, um, a demonic spirit can be in your generation, your bloodline, and it's passed on. You know, it's it's same stuff. You go to a doctor, you tell us about your, you know, your ancestor, your hereditary. Is there this, you know, genetic predisposition genetic to addiction? Predisposition. Yep. They asked that, and and I, they prayer ministry came around, and they asked, "Have you had any generational addiction?" I said, "I did." I mean, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm in the clear. Like, I don't yeah. think I need prayer. Not that I won't take prayer. And they said, "Well, yeah. can we pray for you?" And I said, "Sure." They had me renounce any generational addiction and i told them i was you know alcoholic and i said i've been sober for six years and they seem to know more than me and um they you know they said we're just going to pray that we're going to break any curses in your life they said they, they prayed to break a generational curse of alcoholism same thing i'm just sitting there thinking i'm fine and that same feeling my stomach started to turn and a voice spoke through me and said no we've been here so long I'm still trying to make sense about what it seems a spirit can actually lay dormant in a body. And my own opinion, this is how people are sober 10, 20 years, and out of nowhere they go back to drink. The hmm. spirit, if it's still in the body that's not driven out, will in rise In prison up. for 10 years, and they go for heroin as soon as they get out. Yep, and yep. You just it just drives you. And hmm. what I would say, a spirit is not on a clock. They're not going, well, I got 10 years to wait before I rise up. So they seem to almost lay dormant, and then they can, they'll come out. Now, I wouldn't believe the stuff I'm telling you if I hadn't experienced it. So um, that was my experience in, in deliverance. Well, then I, I came home from there, and I had a guy who, you know, I, I was going to shout it from the rooftops. And I had a woman first woman I ever prayed for, she was in my outpatient group and she's drinking vodka all day, every day. And, but she's not drinking on the nights. We had, we had group mm. two nights a week and mm-hmm. she, and I, she's being honest. And I said, you know, I, I don't think I can help you to this woman. She was in her uh, mid forties at the time and she'd been in treatment her whole life. 
And I, I said, you know, we're not helping you. I said, I think I need to send you to a higher level of care, an inpatient program. And she gets angry right in group. And she says, I've been there. They don't work. And I mm. said, what would you want me to do? She goes, this is a curse. I need prayer. Mm -hmm. So right. now I've just had my experience. I, after group, I asked, I said, can I talk to you? And I said, yes. I said, do you actually believe what you said? And she says, yes. I said, I told her my experience. Um, she came into my office. I prayed for her. First time I ever prayed for deliverance from somebody. I laid my hands upon her. I had her walked her through repenting for some things. Her body started shaking violently, and it scared me. I thought, I don't, is she ever going to stop shaking? She went limp. She looked up, and she's gone. She was totally set free. Mm. She, chronic alcoholism, she was set free. Hmm. Um, Praise the Lord. Wow. So can I say all of it is that? I can't say that. Is it some of it? From my experience, I would say yes. I would say probably more than we understand. My Lord. I mean, this is so great. You've, as you've told your story, you basically describe the process. Mm -hmm. right. But folks, what I'm thinking, Pastor Dwight, I'm thinking this is the first of maybe a couple of shows. Right. And because you just, oh, you're so bold to talk about an undiscussable. Uh -huh. And I know people sensationalize it, but the answer is not to not talk about it. I also know in a lot of psychotherapies, primal screen therapy, these cathartic releases, but it's more like sticking a finger in the wound. It sounds like with faith and with Christ, that this all these traumas and all these psychological things, you can do almost a surgery spiritually. Well, that's what deliverance is. What I've seen is demons don't create anything, but they attach to human problems. That's uh -huh. what I was thinking, like right. trauma, trauma, like depression. Depression, addiction. Right. Um, and that's why... The more I looked at it, I said, why don't we have more success? Because yeah. I think we're mm. looking at it from a natural right. viewpoint view. and not a spiritual standpoint. We're flesh and blood instead of dealing with you know, the mm. spiritual oh. reality. Amen. So will you be back? Will you come back? I would love to come yeah. back. Because the thing that I just want to talk about, which we'll talk about in the future, is uh, where, what are these delivery ministries? If I'm sitting listening now and getting a little... You know, goosebumps going, man, he's talking to me. Yeah. Where can I go? What can I seek out? Yeah. Can you give us a pointer right now? Because uh, we're kind of wrapping it up. But then when you come back, we'll talk about sure. a couple. Because I know Teen Challenge doesn't do delivery ministry. It's a clinical faith-based treatment. Mm -hmm. But I do know there are recovery ministries out there that do work on this. Can I read you some, an excerpt from a book? I was just in Florida Please. in a ministry called Christian Healing Ministries, a non-denominational ministry that really believes the primary ministries of Jesus and his disciples was healing the sick and casting out demons. This is a foundational call that never ended. It's That's who Jesus did. He raised up his 12 disciples. He sent out his 70, 72. Go for it. So this is a book, and I, I just this says it better than I could say, but it says, Deliverance Scholar... Dr. Arlen Epperson estimates that 95% of churches in America do not understand the need for deliverance ministry. Of the 5% that do, only about 1% are willing to engage in it. it is, he has seen cases in which 50% of the congregation leave when pastors begin ministering in spiritual gifts, deliverance, and inner healing. Wow. So I read that. So there's, very, there's a lack of deliverance ministries. And off the top of my head, I, I can't really name any that would actually promote themselves as a deliverance ministry because it you know you, we don't want to spook be spooky about it we don't mm -hmm. want to sensationalize it but we can't pretend that there's not something very powerful going on well I, 
and why you're saying me, why do I believe what I do? And I've, I mean, I've told this story a thousand times. It's my testimony. I experienced it. There's just a lack of experiential element mm-hmm. in the yeah. realm of darkness, even with pastors. Um, not saying they don't know. And if, if you study what most people are taught in Bible college or seminaries, they almost sel- seldom, if ever, teach about spiritual warfare. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to make a commitment to you that we're going we're gonna to spend more time with Rafe. It, even before his next show, and we're going to see if we can identify some of those deliverance, deliverance ministries, yep. and we're going to come back. So, yep. you know, listen in on Saturdays. Close us out in prayer. We got 30 seconds. And in prayer? Yes, and All in right. prayer, please. Father, I thank you for just a platform here to speak openly and bring the truth. And Lord, we know that you're the deliverer. Deliverance is from your hand. There's no one who has power and authority that you have, and we thank you you share it with your people, with your disciples. Lord, I pray that the words were spoken today, even my testimony would go forth and open people's eyes, open their minds. Lord, that people would seek what's real. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, brother.